Welcome to Pure Camp. I'm Daniel Schrader, and I'm thrilled to bring you into my camp-addled brain. Every week, I'll explore a new piece of my camp collection and explain exactly why it fits in there. I want to spread the gospel of camp so more people can join us on this artificially distant island, or at least make more people laugh at that fucking Met Gala. But today, I'm starting this project with something a little different. More of a primer of what camp means to me, why I think it's an important way to encounter art in the world, and where my camp inclinations began. In the simplest terms, camp is the appreciation of the frivolous detail, finding joy in the places where a creation prioritizes style over content, that wink that makes you shiver with recognition, something that understands sometimes artifice is more important than honesty. But it's also the way to access that honesty, a path to processing the depth of feeling inherent in the work you're camping. But I'm getting ahead of myself. A little personal history first. When I was growing up, I didn't have a conscious understanding of what camp was. I was certainly drawn to things of that aesthetic, but it was never a specific choice. My tastes just pulled me in a specific direction, unaware of what was indicated by watching the opening of Cats on VHS over and over, or taking a hip-hop dance class, and only really caring about the electric orange stripes on my dance recital outfit. Or even performing in an elementary school production of a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. I spent my teens indulging in this fancy but not really knowing what it was, and it wasn't until college that I had the conscious thought of like, okay, what is camp? Do I get it? Do I know what I'm talking about when I say that I love camp? So of course, like any good gay, I sought out Susan Sontag's notes on camp, determined to make sure that I knew what I was saying. For those who don't know Susan Sontag, she was a famous 20th century intellectual who once wrote a series of notes that tried to capture the elusive aesthetic and really did do a lot of work at popularizing the term of camp into the modern mainstream. Whether or not that was good work remains to be seen, but I will say that her notes are a bit of a mess. When I was in college, I opened them and felt immediately confused. I was adrift in her dry academic language and clear disdain for the aesthetic she claimed to objectively evaluate. This isn't going to be an entire takedown of Susan Sontag's notes, at least not this episode. But after trudging through all 58 of her short ramblings, all I came away with was that maybe I didn't understand camp after all and that I really needed to read more Oscar Wilde. The next stop in my camp journey was from a colleague, actually. Brian Lauder wrote a fantastic series on Slate called Postcards from Camp that I really must recommend. In it, he broke down exactly why Sontag was wrong and how I'd actually been camping all along. It was such a relief. He freed me up to openly embrace camp and relish my bad taste. Now, I will say, I think his series, while brilliant, falls into the same academic trap of clunky jargon, at times, that make us dummies run for the hills. 
Honestly, maybe the nerdy gays make camp lit so dense just to keep the normies out of their hair. I really hope that this series will fix that mistake. Camp is often associated with the bad, particularly when the word campy comes up, which we'll get into in later episodes. I think that there are some camp scholars who believe that the word campy is a bit distasteful and doesn't fully fit into the concept of camp and is kind of a lower rent version of it. But I really think that the campy is kind of the on-ramp into camp. If you need to learn what camp is, you start with the campy and go from there. We'll explain that in later episodes. But suffice it to say that much of the modern popular consciousness thinks that like camp equals bad. But it isn't only a function of bad art. I will say it loves bad art, but not because it's bad. Camp leaps over the good-bad binary and frees us to enjoy things for a different, third reason. Of course, so much camp lives in the spectacularly bad. But the important word there isn't bad, it's spectacular. Camp loves the confidence of vision, the overzealous attempt, even when that attempt is utter and beautiful failure. It can't be camped if the creator doesn't care deeply about the mess they've made. Mediocrity can never be camp. I often think of this sort of camp as what I'd call shoddy perfection. It doesn't hold together on conventional terms, but there's just something about it that works, that feels right, that feels camp. I promise this will make sense as this series goes on. Camping is a liberating experience, freeing us to embrace the things that people have cast aside. But because of that, it's also a lonely one. I've come to love the eye rolls when I rave about the latest work I've been camping, pitying those who've yet to understand the fun they're missing, but it'd be great if a few more people joined the party. So I hope that this gay religious tract of a podcast can help you see the light. Probably in neon. Next week, I'll get into the first movie that sent camp thrills up my spine and explain why campy isn't such a bad word after all. We'll be parachuting with Alan Cumming into the city of Riverdale to discover 2001's Josie and the Pussycats. Grab your cat or your headband and I'll see you there. And that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, producer, editor, writer, etc., Daniel Schrader. Follow me at Rough Schrade on Twitter, and I hope you'll subscribe and join me back here next week as we continue to distill pure camp. You know what? I still don't understand why you're here. I'm here because I was in the comic book. What? Nothing.